Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Everyone Has a Story podcast. Joining me today is professional comedian Brad Upton. Brad has a, a special on the Dry Bar Comedy Network with 170 million plus views. Uh, he is a father, a husband, and a high school traffic a tra- traffic tra- uh, track coach. I apologize for that, Brad. Oh, that's all right. But welcome, Brad. I, I appreciate you your finding the time to talk to me today. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, reaching out and uh, glad to be here. Yeah, uh, season starts uh, February 28th. Wow. Yeah, I, I forgot all about that. You know, my son, what? my oldest boy, uh, he's 26 now, but he, he didn't really, he's kind of short and thick like me. He wasn't really a runner, but he... Uh, he could throw that shot put a pretty good distance. So he uh, he did shot his sophomore, junior, and senior year in high school and actually made it all the way to uh, the state track finals in his division and he got fourth. Oh, uh, that's pretty good. He got the state, man. Just getting yeah. to state's a big deal. So, yeah, he was pro- he was pretty good, pretty yeah. explosive. Yeah, he's uh, – it's funny, you know, I've always told my boys, you know, I'll, if I got to wear you out all the way into your fifties, I'll do it. But right. he's just strong as an ox. We, we wrestled one time and I got on his back and held him down and he did a push up with me on his back. Like I wasn't even there. Yeah. And that's that stage in your life as a dad where you're like, okay, if we ever have to fight for real, I'm going to have to cheat on this one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, uh, not to get off uh, track too far, but did you in, envision, I guess, when you recorded that dry bar special, it reaching to the level that it has so far? No, I had no idea. Um, because when I, I was recorded, one of the very first ones, and they explained to me what it was. And I was like, yeah, all right, I'll go do it. Uh, I don't, I just, I just didn't think anything would become of it because dry bar wasn't even a thing yet. It yeah. wasn't that there one had never been aired and I recorded it uh, exactly five years ago in, in February of 2017. And, um, and then that, that spring and spring of 2017, they started releasing clips of me. They were about a minute, minute and a half. That's how the first dry bar clips were coming out and they'd get 50 or 60,000 views. I thought, wow, that's a lot. Yeah. And then uh, about a year later in, in 2018, they started releasing uh, videos that were three or four minutes long and they found out those did better. And I started seeing guys uh, getting a million, a million point, uh, 1.1, 1.2 million views. And, you know, I was watching these and I was like, you know how your ego, you go, these guys aren't better than me. How are they yeah. getting one point? So I emailed the guy at Drybar. I go, could you put up my video again? And he, he wrote me back right away. He said, yeah, that's a good idea. You guys that went first, we didn't know what we were doing. We realized that uh, you guys that were doing it, uh, when we put out longer sets, they draw better. He goes, I'll put something up in a couple of days. And he put up that thing I do about uh, I'm bashing the 20 somethings yeah. uh, and he put that up in June of 2018 and it got 12 million views in 48 hours. Wow. And 
nobody more surprised than me because it's the same crap I've been doing in my act for years, right? So I was like, holy crap. And it got 33 million views in 10 days. And uh, my, my CD went to number one on iTunes. Um, I was trending on uh, Twitter and I was, this is, I was, this, I go, this is insane. But that video, just that single video right now is sitting about 88 million views or something wow. five years later. Yeah, I, I had no idea. I mean, just shocked. I, nobody more surprised than me. You know, it's funny. Uh, <clears throat> I had shown one of the videos to my 15-year-old earlier today because, I, you know, I said, you know, you got to be quiet. She's got to clean her room because I can't even see the carpet in there. Right. But uh, <laughs> I said, you can't turn the music up. <clears throat> excuse me, too terribly loud. I'm, I'm doing a podcast. And uh, she's like, oh, who's coming on? And so I started to explain it. And I said, here, watch this video real quick. And, you know, what's funny is you were in the video that we watched, you were talking about uh, answering the phone and the phones being on the, on right, the wall. Right. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me like with the most serious face I've ever seen. She's like, Dad, is he being serious? Were there phones that used to be on the wall? And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, it, 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 sometimes it escapes me how far we've come. Yeah. Where a 15 year old can't even fathom that that actually ever existed. It you know? never was in their lifetime. No, no. And it's, it, it's some of the, the, the stuff that you talk about in the, making fun of the 20 somethings is it resonates with me because like my oldest is now uh, 27. And right. so as I watch that video and, and listen to the different jokes that you make, I'm like, wow, this is applicable to all, all of my kids. Like they, right. Exactly. You know, so it makes it even funnier. You know, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I do, I, I think a lot of times too, most of the people, the 20 somethings actually enjoy it themselves. You get people online just ripping you and telling oh, yeah. you what an idiot you are and what a dumbass, you know, and, old man, bitter old man. And I'm like, whatever, you just, you know. Yeah. Uh, but most of the most in that audience that I performed in front of, it was quite young. It was a very young audience and I was killing them. Be, you know, it's jokes, it's comedy. Yeah. Well, and for those who don't know, Dry Bar, that's filmed in Salt Lake City, right? Filmed in, uh, it's filmed in uh, Provo. Oh, okay. But it has to be like a completely clean set yeah squeaky right? clean i yeah. really was clean i mean really clean uh because i knew it's it's a bunch of mormons that own the whole company and okay. that's uh, and it's in provo uh that's where that you shoot those things so that's the whole idea is it's squeaky clean and i i've got some dirty material and i but uh i can work clean i've been doing it forever so i can work pretty i can work really clean if i need to yeah. And uh, yeah, it worked great. And now that thing, uh, they put the whole the whole setup on YouTube, and I think I have about oh, almost the whole set's got almost thirteen million wow. on YouTube. It's the most popular special on Dry Bar on YouTube. And then, you know, that other video about is uh, got about sixty million. But yeah, all together, it's there's it's unbelievable. Yeah, that's wild. <clears throat> so. Uh, running backwards a little bit, and I apologize for that. You, yeah, don't you, worry. You started comedy after you were in like uh, a, a profession where you were a fourth grade uh, like elementary school teacher, correct? Yeah, I got out of college and uh, yeah, I taught fourth grade, and I was coaching high school track uh, in Pasco, Washington, 
in Eastern Washington. And uh, I was 20, the first time I signed up for a, I wanted to do comedy. I was drawn to it. I really wanted to try it. I mean, I, I've always drawn to it. I like comedians and I felt like I could do it. There's, you don't have anything in your background that tells you you can do it because, yeah. you know, stand up so unique, but I wanted to try it. I wanted to try it. I wanted to try it. And I was just scared. And I, and there was no comedy. I was in Eastern Washington. I was 200 miles away from the nearest open mic. Wow. And uh, I finally just decided I'm going to give this a try. And in, in, September of 1983, I signed up for an open mic in Seattle. I drove over. I had my five minutes memorized. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And then when it was almost my turn, like two spots away, I chickened out and I told the MC, I'm not going on. <laughs> and he goes, well, you're almost up. And I said, I know. And I, I was just too scared. And so I walked out of the club and I drove 200 miles home and I hated myself for a year. I was so mad that I had chickened out, you know, I just, I was so pissed. Yeah. And then I waited exactly one year later in September 84 and I came back over and I uh, signed up for the open mic and I did my five minutes and it went great. And uh, here I am. Wow. Yeah. That's, you know, I, I hear from a lot of people that, you know, they'll, uh, they'll either get up there and completely forget their material the first time, or they just, they get five minutes away and, oh, I can't do this. And they, right, you know, but something inside of them still compels them to, to kind of come back to it. And yeah, you know, it's, you know, and I, you said you got up there and it was awful. And I've heard, I've heard both ways. Yeah. Uh, some comedians will tell you they had a great set the first time and then set number two, three, four, five, don't go as well. And that was my, that was my experience. I was like, well, I'm doing the same stuff. I don't get it. I killed the first time I got on stage. Why that happens, I don't know. But you know, if I had got up there and ate shit hard, I'm not sure I'd have ever tried it again. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, uh, well, part of the problem is when I went up the first time, I've always been a huge fan of Bill Burr. Right. So I got it in my head. Oh, I can do it similar to the way he does it. And I found out very, very quickly. No, I can't not even yeah. remotely close. And, uh, I got that validated for me underneath the stage lights, you know, Right. <laughs> and it, 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 it scared me enough where I'm like, Ooh, cause you know, the people who've never performed stand up before, they don't realize that, you know, the, whatever time frame it is that you're doing, whether it's five minutes or 25 minutes or an hour, uh, that's your time. Nobody's coming to get you early. You know, no, that's right. And, uh, uh, if you're, it's a wonderful feeling, at least in my opinion, if you're up there killing it, that clock just seems to spin like, Oh my God, my time's up already. Right. Exactly. But if, if you're eating it, it's like tick talk. Oh yeah. <laughs> And you still got to fill that time. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, I, I hate it because I think all of us have gone through it, even after you know your material's uh, pretty well established and you could almost say it forward or backwards, you still have those nights where you're just not going to connect with the audience for whatever reason. Uh, and you just go up there. And I think that's one of the humbling parts, at least for me in stand up comedy, is. Just when you start to ride that curve going up, like, oh yeah, I got this. Boom. They bring you right back down to oh, absolutely. 
you still put your pants leg on one leg at a time, pal. Yeah, so absolutely. And you know, there's people will say yeah, there's this thing. Oh, there's no such thing as a bad audience. I'm like, yes, there is. There's <laughs> yeah. no such as a bad audience. You're that's that's a crock of shit when you hear people say there's no such thing as a bad audience. Yeah. There is such thing as a bad audience, and you and it still mystifies me how even in a club Friday night two shows the first show can be so much better than the second or vice versa. Yeah. And you think, how did this group of people, none of them knew each other, they all came in here together. How could one audience be so much better than the other audience? Yeah. It still mystifies me. I don't know how it works that way, but you're right. There's times when I'm thinking I, I'll never have a, I'll never have to struggle on stage again. And you're like, <laughs> that's not true. Sometimes you're like, Ooh, this is a lot of work tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Your mouth gets dry and you start to sweat a little bit more than yep. normal. And yeah. <clears throat> your brain is struggling to find the right thing. And, and you glance at your watch and you go, Oh, I still got 22 more minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a crazy feeling, but it's, I think it's at least for me, I think it's good to go through it every so often as much as yeah. it sucks because it forces me to um, work harder to get even better where, okay, if this isn't working, if I was, you know, Maybe I can switch over here and go in this direction. Maybe this will get them or whatever the case may be, uh, as opposed to just just having that one window of material that you're going to use and you don't vary the course from it at all. Right. Uh, you know, I've even tried sometimes where I just know I'm not hitting on all cylinders and I'm not great at crowd work, but I'll just give it a try. I'm like, well, this let me just throw this stuff in the corner and try something different because right. it isn't working. And that's kind of saved me a little bit here and there because, um, you know, in, in the other profession that I have, I'm used to talking to people I don't know. And so it, <clears throat> it's easy for me to just look at somebody and be like, Hey, Bob, how you doing? Or what, or make fun of their right. shirt or whatever. And, and that's always kind of saved me a little bit, but I realize also I'm kind of playing with fire there too, because I don't have any control over what they're going to say back to me. You know? No, that's right. I've, I've, I've done a crowd. I don't do much crowd work. I've done crowd work and I've done it pretty well before, but crowd and crowd work can be magical. And you know, guys that are brilliant at it, yeah. but it also, it can go in the dumper real fast. Yeah. It can get real awkward. And that's why I don't like it. I don't like, I don't want to dig a hole that I don't have to get, you know, if I don't have to, I don't want to dig a hole. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, I've, I've been at shows before where I've seen other people do crowd work and I knew kind of where I could see where they were trying to take it and it went completely the opposite direction and they were not prepared for that at all. Yeah. And I just, as much as we are all putting ourselves out there performing the way we do, I still like to have a certain level of comfortability for myself. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to get too, I guess, frazzled for lack of a better way to put it, you know? Well, so I, I just try and, you know, okay, I know I'm not great at this. Let me not push the envelope on this a little bit. Well, that's the magic of it anyway, is looking comfortable on stage and looking yeah. at completely at ease. That's kind of the magic of stand-up when you, it looks real easy if you're doing it well. That's why everybody thinks they can do it. They go, oh, he's just up there talking. I go, yeah, you go try it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. that's, I mean, that's the magic of it is if, if, if it looks like it's going well and you're relaxed and you're comfortable. And I, it took me years to realize too, when it, 
when you get on stage and it's not going well, uh, you just still have to act like you're having the best show of the, you've ever had. Yeah. Because the audience, if the audience senses you're uncomfortable, and then <laughs> they get uncomfortable, and then it's a big swirling turd, you know what yeah. I mean? And they're getting, and you feel bad, they feel bad, they're like, oh. But if they're sitting there and you're up there and the jokes aren't working, and but you're still having a great time, the comics having a great time, they're like, boy, he's not getting many laughs, but he seems to be having a good time. And yeah. then they'll they'll titter a little bit and then crack up a little bit and then they'll giggle and ha ha. It may take 10, 12 minutes, but you can almost always get them. But it's, it's, you know, most people, it takes a long time to learn. Don't panic. This is going to be a while. It's going to be a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also think, you know, if they can tell you're uncomfortable, it's going to be that one guy that's had one too many shots of Jack Daniels. that's going to sense it. And Oh yeah then he's going to be, you suck, buddy. And, you know, here it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Been there. So after you started doing open mics and kind of slowly working on your craft, how long would you say it took before you got to a spot where you felt pretty comfortable up there? Um, I felt pretty comfortable within a few months. Okay. Um, I moved up pretty quickly. I, you know, and back in the early eighties, mid eighties comedy was booming. There was so much comedy and it was everywhere. And it was new and the audiences were better. And most of these, you know, a lot of one-nighters drew well, you weren't performing necessarily in front of 10 or 12. A lot of times the brooms, bars and everything would be packed. Yeah. Um, and I started in September, September of 84 and by April of 85. So seven months later uh, was the first time I got hired to do a gig on it. And I did 30 minutes, uh, wow. uh, seven minutes later, but I'd been writing, you know, I'd been <laughs> wanting to do comedy for so long. Uh, I'd been writing for several years before I ever got on stage. So you know, when you a lot of people when they get on stage, they have two, two, three minutes, and then they try and add a minute, and they add a minute, and they add a minute. Well, I had shit. I probably had forty-five minutes of material I needed to try out. Wow. It wasn't all good, but I, I had written that much stuff. Yeah, I just had never performed it. Then I had to learn how to get through it all because the first, first few times I was doing open mics. Well, the first time I ever did comedy, I qualified for the Seattle Comedy Competition. Oh wow. And I got into the Seattle comedy competition. I truly did not know I was not at an open mic. I was an, I signed up for an audition and I didn't know that. I thought Tuesday night was open mic. And uh, this particular Tuesday night was open mic slash audition for the Seattle comedy competition. And I got, and they, and I killed, I told you I killed the first time I got on stage yeah. and the lady that was it, that was running it. She came up afterwards and said, we really like that. We, we want you to be in the competition. And I was like, well, I don't know what, you know, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, isn't this open mic? And she goes, yeah, but it's, uh, it's the audition for the Seattle comedy competition. We thought you were very funny and what are you doing? I go, okay, this is great. So the next Tuesday I came back and suddenly there's 20 comedians 19 of them are professionals and I'm going up for the second time in my life. And the same five minutes that killed the previous Tuesday night. Oh, it, it did not work as well. And, you know, the <laughs> audience, all of a sudden I'm not the funniest guy on that night. All yeah. of a sudden I'm the, I'm the 20th funniest guy that night. 
So it didn't go as well. But anyway, I did the same five minutes, those first six that I did, I didn't change a word. But after that, then every time I went up, I had a bunch of new stuff I was trying. And I said, okay, that works, that works, that works. I need to work on that a little bit. So I amassed a pretty good amount of material pretty quickly. And I got pretty comfortable. I was always pretty comfortable right away. Uh, there's times I'll guarantee you there were shows where you watch me and you go, oh, he's not, he's not comfortable at all. But I, uh, I was, I was pretty confident, I think on stage from the, from the beginning. Yeah. Well, but I've been teaching school too. So I was standing in front of kids every single day. Yeah. I was going to say that wasn't new to me. Uh, yeah. just standing in front of 30 kids. I've been doing that at that point, six years. Yeah. You're used to having all eyes on you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that was, it was similar for me in the aspect of doing the law enforcement stuff that I'm so used to. I guess you could take it to another level because, you know, if I walk in anywhere that's a, like a public setting, whether it be a restaurant or, or maybe a grocery store or wherever, everything stops and everybody looks at that uniform. Right. So I was so used to already having, you know, what I first, I remember, I because I worked for the Detroit Police Department for the first 10 years of my career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the first few months of being on the street, I had to get used to people looking at us all the time. I used to think, God, is my fly down? What's what's going on here? Right. <laughs> and, you know, you work with an older guy. He's like, no, you just got to get used to that. People just, they see that uniform come in and that's what they're going to look at. They don't know why right. you're here, what's going to go on. But I think that helped me in the early stages of, of, <clears throat> getting on stage because I never had to conquer the fear of being up there in front of people I didn't know. That that part right. was already in my rearview mirror. It just, you know, I had to figure out the whole part of uh, actually being funny. And right. uh, I've, I've always had the mindset, even from the early stages of this, that uh, even before I got my first paid gig, you know, I thought, okay, I've got to get good enough where if I get on a paid gig, the people who paid money to come in there leave, at least from my end of it, feeling like they got their money's worth out of it. Right. Because whether it's a $5 showcase show or it's a $50 big event with a, a meal and everything included, I realized the journey that those people in the audience had to take to get there, whether mm -hmm. it's babysitters or whatever the case may be. So they've got a lot of money invested in it before they ever put their butt in the seat to listen right. to my garbage so right. uh, and i i you know there's other comics i've met along the way that oh you can't do that to yourself you just got to get up there and if they don't like it screw them and I'm, I'm i'm sitting here thinking you know when i was younger and my kids were younger for the missus and i to go out for a night there was a lot that went into that you know, and and so, like I said, I've always wanted to at least, at least for what I could do for my part of the show, I wanted everybody to feel like they got their money's worth out of it. And so that's the way I've approached it since I started getting paid gigs. And now, you know, with running my own production company, I, I put a lot of effort into uh, making sure that I've got the right mix uh, uh, of comics together so it because I, I i won't feature or anything uh on, on the shows that i produce i just host those and i mm -hmm. bring in other people and let them do the heavy lifting uh but i 
I make sure if I'm going to charge people money to get in, that they're going to get what they paid for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got to take that into consideration what the audience is going through and and making them happy. I don't I've never understood the mindset either where people go, you know, other comics go, oh, screw up, screw them. Well, our job's to make them all happy, you yeah. know. Or people go, well, only about half the audience gets me. Well, yeah. <laughs> you need to figure out how to re- rewrite some stuff then yeah. because I'm trying to make them all happy. Yeah. Well, and it's I don't, uh, first of all, I don't think I'm good enough to do this, but second of all, I want people to forget about it for a while. So I don't talk about religion. I don't talk about politics. No, I don't either. Ever. I, I, cause I've never wanted to cut that room in half. Like maybe one day after I retire, I'll talk about police work on a comedy stage, but I have yet to ever do that once. Wow. You know, and th- there's, there's a few other, uh, comics that i work with on a regular basis oh chad you gotta have some great stories you gotta start i'm like yeah i get it but you guys have to understand comedy is my escape from that world right you know so i never want the two of those to blend together so i keep them kind of separate like you know uh police works like you know my regular life and job and comedy is my mistress nobody's supposed to know about you know yeah exactly well, fair <laughs> and, enough. and so i keep them uh from inter- interacting with each other and i think it, that's what a little bit of what kind of keeps me sane because it's they're two completely separate uh entities that you know uh that exist within the mush that is my brain you yeah know? no that makes sense to me and uh it's... I'll tell you one thing that, uh, that's been odd for me after all these years. I've been doing comedy 36 or whatever this, and the dry bar stuff blew up, you know, three years ago. And for the most part, for 30 plus years, when I went on stage, uh, I was fairly anonymous to the audience. Yeah. They didn't know who I was, you know, if it was a cruise ship, if it was a corporate event, a lot of comedy clubs, people were just like, we're going to comedy, this guy's probably okay. So they had no expectations. And so my job is for 30 plus years, I, I went on stage, hopefully exceeded their expectations. And uh, that's generally how it worked out. And now after 30 plus years, all of a sudden, and it's very odd to me, all of a sudden I have fans and people that are buying tickets to come see me. And, all, and my mindset is like, wow, these people are specifically coming to see me I hope I meet their expectations. <laughs> and it's very odd after all these years to, to change my mindset a little bit. Yeah. Now, um, with, you know, 170 million views, uh, I'm sure at some point, besides people actively buying tickets to come and see you directly, um, like, do you now sometimes have instances where you're just at the grocery store trying to get some milk and and bread and spinach leaves and somebody looks at you like oh hey i know you yeah Yeah, that's very odd Uh, after all these years too i have been recognized a number of times and i i'm shocked by it and then or they'll come up and go oh you're the guy honey got a booty like pow 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 (laughs) and i'm like yeah yeah that's me oh my god and then i'm like oh this is weird they recognize me. Yeah. <laughs> it's very odd. I, in fact, I was during COVID when we weren't doing anything, right. We just yeah. didn't do anything. I was walking for, uh, 
every single day. I was walking six, seven, eight miles and I did it for a year. I just went out, walked and walked and walked. And I cut through this guy's yard one day and there's a, there's a little pathway next to his property and I was headed up the hill and he goes, hey, you're that comedian. I go, yeah, because this is my hometown, right? This is where I live. Yeah. I go, have you, oh yeah. He goes, you do that thing. And I go, yeah. I go, have you seen me somewhere? Did you see me down at the Civic Club or did you see me at the Comedy Underground here in Seattle? He goes, no, from the internet. I know you from the internet. Now you're walking through my yard. <laughs> oh, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure he went in and told his wife, hey, you know that guy? <laughs> he just walked through the yard. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, it's and I've never existed within the comedy world pre-internet so yeah you know i i god i gotta believe that 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 was kind of a slow transition for all of you guys that that have been up there grinding out sets long before youtube and instagram and facebook and and what myspace became before that all those other things that existed it's i remember reading an article about um Oh God, I can see his face. Why is his name escaping me? He he had the most followers on MySpace. Um, wow. Like he was doing uh, bits at the comedy store, but the MySpace thing rocketed him to doing arena tours, uh, like mid-2000s. Uh, and then when Facebook came around and just completely crushed MySpace, it right. just... Whew, Send him right back down to, I mean, I, I think he's a pretty big draw at, at most clubs uh, across the country that he goes to. But, uh, you know, he's not doing 20, 30,000 seat arenas anymore. Yeah, guys that figured that out right away were killing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've seen in my career, I've seen that I saw the evolution of the cell phone. Oh, you yeah. Know, when I started, they, they didn't exist when I started. And then, uh you know, when cell phones, when was it? Early 90s, I guess, or when people, you know, and they weren't, they didn't take off right away. But at first you, uh, people didn't turn off their phones. You know, that's still an announcement we make at all. Turn off your cell phones. Well, everybody turns off their cell phones. They barely, rarely ring out loud anymore in a club because everybody's learned that. But when they first started, they would, shit, you'd get two or three a show, three or four a show. And it, it would, you had to figure out a way to get around that. It was really annoying. And then, and then the next few years, you see people on their phone while you're, and you tried to address it, you know, get off your phone. And now I just ignore it. You can't stop it now. There's yeah. people on their phone. They're looking at their phone. They don't ring, but, you know, I can have a show where I'm killing in front of, a big room and I can look around the room and there's 10 or 12 people at any one time looking at their phone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's just been an evolution of how to learn how to deal with it. Yeah. The technology, technology at your fingertips has wonderful uh, advantages to us, but I think it's also turned us into, uh, I hate to use the term like zombies, but kind of, you know, I mean, in, in my professional world outside of comedy, I, I can't tell you how many people walk out in front of me as I'm driving down the road. They're not even looking. They, they, they oh, yeah, no. see me coming. They're, no, they're... walk right out with earbuds in and walk right out in the right, right in the middle of the street. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I work at night. 
And right now in Michigan, you know, well, we're on a little roller coaster. It was 55 today, but it's going to be 22 tomorrow. Uh, and then it goes back up to 47. And then just when you think spring's around the corner, here comes 17 degrees. You know, yeah. Mother, Mother Nature's got a hell of a sense of humor over here by the Great Lakes. <laughs> but uh, so in the wintertime, it's not a big problem. But in the summertime, I see it a lot. You know, I'll be uh, driving down uh, one of the major thoroughfares in the city that I work in. People will be out jogging or walking or whatever, but I'll see women doing that 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. They got headphones on. They, maybe they're not looking at their phone, but they're like power walking or doing whatever they're right. doing. And I always make it a habit to stop them, and some of them get pissed at me. And I'm like, listen, you are out here after dark, and you've got both of your ears occupied. If right. somebody wants to jump out of the bushes and get you, you're never going to hear them coming. No. And once I explain it to them that way, it's like that epiphany. They're like, oh, my God, I didn't even. I'm like, I get it. You know, we're not in Detroit, but we're not that far from Detroit. But things happen out here that you don't realize more often than you'd ever uh, begin to accept. <laughs> I don't know if it's necessarily ever stopped anybody from getting victimized. I'd like to hope so, but, uh, yeah, I've had tough, you know, I told you, I, I used to run all the time. Yeah. Uh, I don't run anymore. My knees killing me and I still walk, but I've walked up a number of times on women with their headphones in and they, and I'm trying to scuffle my feet, you know, I'm in, and I'm approaching up behind them. And they, I know they don't know. And then they turn around <laughs> and then they look at me like I'm the creepy you know, and I'm like, that's on you. I mean, yeah. you, you're out here in nature and you, you don't have your hearing. That's insane. Yeah. I think yeah. the same thing when I see that you're, you're taking away your, your, uh, senses. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, you know, I, I have three daughters and I, I make sure to tell them, okay, no headphones at night, unless you're in the house, but yeah, that, I no, no. the same thing. I went, when I said, I get when you're walking at night from a club to the car, whatever, put that phone, do not look at that phone. Yep. It'd make it so easy. If you were a predator, it'd be the easiest thing in the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can check for your Facebook lights and likes in 15 minutes. Just yep. get, get in the car and move on. Get on it. a swivel. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a shame that more people, uh, just don't, they don't take that, that stuff into consideration. They're so preoccupied with, uh, you know, oh my God, Timmy Turner likes my shoes, you know, right. and, and, uh, sometimes, well, you know, I, I kind of deal in the world with predators on a regular basis and, you know, some of them are stupid, but there's yeah. a lot of them out there that are pretty damn smart, you know, yeah. and they, 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 they become more and more successful at getting better at not letting someone like myself catch on to what they're doing and right. uh you know and it's just like anything else you know you could you could have a, a a top engineer at ford that develops the new tailgate or whatever you want to say you can also have some career criminal that invent invents the new way to jump at somebody out of the bushes and right you know, it's constantly evolving but, i don't remember which celebrity i heard uh, i saw him saying on a talk show one night and they were saying this is the best time in the world to be. And it was somebody that was really big. So this is the greatest time to be a celebrity because now when I walk through the airport, nobody notices. They're all looking at their phones. It used to be, you know, and I can't, I wish I knew who it was. He said, 10 years ago, I, wa I couldn't walk through the airport. 
Wow. Because everybody just be, oh my God, it's, it's, it's you, it's you, it's you. He goes, I walk through there now. He goes, 90% of the people got their head down. Wow. He goes, it's great. He loved it. I can't remember who said that, but I went, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and it, it rings true. People yeah, just don't absolutely. pay attention anymore. You know, and it, it's also interesting because a lot of people don't realize this, but I get a chance to see it firsthand. Even if they were, even if everybody was paying attention, uh, let's just say you were at the gas station and the bank across the street got robbed, right? And there's three people at the gas station all filling up their tank at the same time. And they're all looking at the bank, just killing time. By the time somebody in my line of work comes over there to talk to them to get their statement, even though those three people saw the exact same thing, they're all going to tell you something completely different oh, yeah. about what happened. Yeah. It's amazing. It, it, individual perception is so dynamically different. You know, it's he had a red shirt on. No, it was burgundy. No, it was black. You know, and the, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's 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 crazy how how people can. But they're just so caught up in, you know, kind of watching it happen that, uh, you know, that I've been kind of trained and learned how to pay attention to all that small stuff. Like, uh, you know, somebody does a whole bunch of crimes through the neighborhood. They might run home and change their clothes, but the one thing they usually never change is their shoes. Mm-hmm. So it's if you ever get interviewed by the police, what kind of shoes did he have on? They're asking you that for a specific reason, you know. Right. Because he might come back to that same gas station in an hour with a different jersey on, but he's going to have the same damn shoes on. Right. You know, and it's just those those little idiosyncrasies that humans have, you know. Ah, those are my best Jordans. I got to put them back on. You never know yeah, who's going to see I can them. run best in those. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about uh, the, the, the track uh, coach part of this. Because I, I, I read uh, on your uh, your individual page, it seems like you've got kind of had a mix between high school and uh, collegiate uh, track coaching. Yeah, when I uh, I was I competed till I was I competed in college. I was a hurdler in college, and then after I got out of college, I continued to compete. Uh, I ran and competed against college kids in college meets until I was thirty four years old. Wow! And, uh, so when I I was coaching high school when I was, uh, when I was teaching school, when I started comedy and then I quit teaching and I moved to Seattle and, uh, uh, to start doing stand up full time. And so I started training. I was still competing in track and field at the same time. And I told people back then I'm, I'm the best uh, comedian hurdler in the world, <laughs> but I was working out at the university of Washington and, uh, the, the guy that was the, he was the sprint hurdle coach, but he didn't know anything about hurdles. And so he just said, Hey, you got, you want to come over and give my kids a couple of pointers, feel free. So that 11 years, I was at the university of Washington. I coached the hurdlers there. And you know, when I was in town, I was there every day when I had a gig, I left. Um, And there was a few times when I would turn down some gigs for some big meets, but I coached there for 11 years and uh, I had several all Americans and I had a, took a girl to the Olympic trials in 96 and um, I had another girl, uh, a Canadian girl qualify for the Canadian Olympic trials in 96 and all, you know, so I had a really good program of hurdlers there. And then in 97, he, the guy that originally told me he got fired and they brought in an entire new staff and I go, okay, I'm back to comedy 
that's fine, whatever. And then mm-hmm. I coached uh, one year at a college here at Seattle Pacific University. And I didn't coach for several years. And then the high school where I lived, the, where my kids went in the district I'm in, one day I went to practice, stuck my nose in practice, thinking I was going to help this kid one afternoon. And now I've been there 14 years. Wow. So, and I've had several state champs and uh, it's just always been my hobby. I, uh, in, in May, March, April, and May, I'll turn down some gigs if, uh, and try and stay around Seattle a little bit more. But uh, if the gig, and I told him that originally, if I, uh, if I get something good, I, I'm not going to be there. He goes, I'll take you whatever circumstances I can have you. Well, so that's always been the arrangement. And it's always, you know, some guys work on cars and do woodwork and <laughs> I coach hurdlers every spring. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's, I've never been to Washington state so far, uh, but uh, is spring or is it fall more so the rainy season or is that just all the time there? Yeah. I was going to say yes. Yes. To both of those. <laughs> uh, it's pretty much from October to early October till boy, uh, May. We well, only got about four months, which we don't really ever have a dry season, but all winter long, all fall, all winter, most of the spring, it's wet. And it doesn't uh, add up much. I'll, I'll guarantee you, you have more rain in a year in Michigan than Seattle does. Oh, inches. probably. Yeah. We get, we get about, uh, I think the number's 35 inches of rain a year, but we get this stuff where it just drizzles. It's just wet. Uh, it can be, it can rain all day long and you'll have a quarter of an inch of rain. You know what I mean? It's just, it's almost like, it's almost like just fog more than rain. Just enough to keep it damp and make your, uh, your, your knees and hips, uh, ache remind you that you're not in your twenties anymore. (laughs) Oh yeah. My driveway, my, my cement driveway is green and puffy covered with moss. Wow. Yeah. The front yard it's all green, but it's moss. Yeah. The grass will come out later, but it's moss. Everybody's roof has moss on it. Wow. If you leave a car, you'll see cars that are sitting in somebody's yard for two or three months. And pretty soon the car is just covered in black. Wow. Yeah. Just wet. So you now, uh, you guys still, most of the, the track and field that you coach, I would think they still uh, do their events and stuff outside so you're kind of in those elements pretty frequently oh yeah right? yeah it's crappy and there's a lot of meets that is really crappy and i remember even in college myself and i was bitching about the rain one day and my coach said it's raining in all eight lanes I was like, <laughs> yeah you're right and uh i've used that many times on my own kids when they're bitching about the weather yeah go, it's it's raining in all eight lanes so get used to it yeah wow I ran, I ran in college a couple of times where they went sweats off gentlemen, stand behind your blocks. And it was snowing. Wow. Fucking snowing. Wow. Had a tank top on and shorts. And I was about to hurdle in the snow. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, uh, well, we weren't actually playing games yet, but I was, uh, in, I guess what you would consider the high school version of spring training for baseball. And it was snowing outside. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty it, miserable. It, well, it can also be a little taxing to try and throw a white colored ball at somebody else in the middle of the yeah. snow. You got you got to be a little extra protected so you don't break your nose by accident, you know, because you just right. don't it till the last second. <laughs> oh man, it's funny too because if you sit back and remember 
when you were a younger kid, even I'm sure even in that instance where you're going to run, but it's snowing, it wasn't quite as a big a deal to you then as it would be now. Like now you'd be like, oh, screw this. I'm not doing right. that. <laughs> you know, there's days now where I look outside and yeah, it's sunny because uh, the sun in Michigan likes to deceive you. It likes, oh, yeah. it looks great. And then you stick your nose outside and you get frostbite on the tip of it. Just, just going yeah. outside the door, you know, yeah. I, like I said, I work the midnight shift. So there's times where I'll start my car in the morning just to let it warm up before I uh, uh, get my clothes changed to go home. And, you know, my car is almost like, uh, 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 <clears throat> and it'll start, yeah. but it, it doesn't even want to go. Cause it's, oh, I believe you know, it. 16 degrees below zero with the wind chill. And, uh, you know, uh, my oldest boy, he is desperate. He wants to move to Arizona. He's like, dad, I got to get out of here. I'm like, why? He's like, I, I just can't live here anymore in a place where the weather hurts my face. I'm like, yeah. well, you realize going to Arizona, you're going to get a trade off. It's still going to do the same thing. Just, uh, yeah, that's right. Just, I different... think I'd rather put up with too much heat than too much cold though. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, well, you know, the Arizona people, it's a dry heat, you know, it's still hot, you know, 110 is 110, whether your legs are sticking together or not, you know, no summertime, you can't go outside in the summertime when it's that hot, you gotta yeah. stay indoors. Yeah, it's like they're the exact opposite of us. Because, like I said, in Michigan here today, it was a balmy 56, which usually makes about half of the male population in Michigan, it gets above 50 degrees, they break the shorts out. And they're they're wearing the shorts around them. Then we still got those those fellas that'll you know three three feet of snow on the ground and they're out there shoveling their driveway with their shorts on. Yeah, uh, and if it's fifty six degrees in Phoenix, Arizona, they've got they're dressed like it's the Arctic. Oh yeah, yeah, turtleneck, thermos. Oh yeah, gloves, <laughs> full gloves on. Fifty six. My son that I told you lives out in L.A. He's just laughing a couple of times when it was raining and it was raining and high forties or something. And he goes, they're, they're acting like this is midwinter. You know, he was just like, he just didn't get it. He was, yeah. I go, yeah, that's freezing for them. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> it's like going to Florida and, you know, uh, 65 degrees and, Oh, I gotta get my jacket. What? Yeah, exactly. God, if, I, if I put a jacket on right now, I'm going to sweat standing still. <laughs> yeah, I know. I sweat no matter. I'm, I'm hot blooded. So yeah, I uh, I can sweat just sitting in the chair thinking about getting up and going to do something. Uh, you, know? you and me both. <laughs> well, I I don't want to keep you terribly long, Brad. I, I really thoroughly appreciate you uh, coming on uh, on my podcast with me. Uh, and I know you're busy. I'm actually my daughter's been kind of quiet i should probably go check and see what she's doing yeah <laughs> even when they were little that's the same thing that's they're yeah. quiet too long i better go check yeah yeah thanks i've been pretty busy i got a this weekend i'm going down i'm going down to dallas and houston i got shows at the improv down there that's okay. the other thing about this i'm starting to go out and do some door deals around the country because people want me to come there and sure. uh so i'm staying pretty busy and uh you know, I don't, do you know, Johnny Mathis? Do you know who that I do. is? Yep. Yeah, I do. I've been opening for him for 14 years. He's 86 wow. years old. He can still sing. He's unbelievable. Uh, so I got those shows. I have some of those coming. I got a couple in April and four in May and a couple in June. And uh, so I'm busy. I'm not complaining. Sure. Yeah. You know, 
I guess you're probably also in the same thought process I am. If it keeps me out of the house, then it keeps me from getting in trouble for, you know, well that you know when COVID came and all of a sudden bang we you know all of my all didn't do anything for a year i was like this is is this what retirement's like this is awful this (laughs) is horrible i can't stand this i can't wait to get back to work i'll keep doing stand-up until i don't think i'm good at it anymore yeah yeah well just as a reference point i mean rickles did it till almost to the point where he couldn't uh really remember his material anymore he was still Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I, he was being helped to the stage in, on Ve- in Vegas. You know, they get him out there and get him in the chair, and then he was still sharp as a tack. He could keep doing it; he just couldn't walk around too well anymore. You know what I realized that during COVID, uh, what I missed about it when all of a sudden, I mean, you know, I'm doing a couple hundred shows a year for thirty years, and then all of a sudden, nothing, and I you know, there was some anxiety there. Like, can I remember my act? Can I remember what, you know, there was. But when I got on stage for the first time in about six months in a casino down in Oregon, uh, it was a Indian casino where they were ignoring all the rules, but I wanted to go work. And so, uh, but when I got on stage, I could feel my brain working a hundred miles an hour for the first time in six months. And I go, Oh, this is what I miss. Yeah. Because you know, when you're performing stand up live, there's no better mental exercise. Yeah. Um, you're thinking about the bit that you're on. You're thinking about the next bit. You're going to, how am I going to, do the crowd get the long version of this bit or the short version of this bit based on their audience, you know, their reaction. And then you're watching somebody walk through the back of the room and you're watching the door open on the left. And then you see the waitress on the right. You're just, your brain is literally doing five or six things at a time. And I didn't realize until I hadn't done it for six months when I got back on stage, I could literally feel my brain going 110 miles an hour. I go, this feels great. Yeah. This is what I missed right here. Yeah. There, there, that's probably even if it's the coolest show in the world and I'm just, I can't do anything wrong. Uh, right. After I come off stage, even if the rest of my body is, is comfortable, my head will just start projecting so much heat off of it. Yep. And I've gotten to the point where I actually take a towel in my bag because if I don't, I, you know, and, uh, you know, a few of my buddies that I work with, dude, why are you sweating so bad? I'm like, you guys have no idea how much is going on up here all at the same time. You know, it's funny you say that because when I'm on stage and I start to sweat, my head just pours. <laughs> yeah. I, and I got to take a towel on stage and, you know, yeah. uh, and I'm wondering if it, I'm wondering if it's that brain activity. I, now I, that you mentioned that. Yeah, I, I I thoroughly believe it is because I I've come off stage before and like environmental wise I felt for like it wasn't too hot or too cold in there, but it it'll just it'll for me it'll start kind of like up in the top, and then it just whoosh, it washes oh, over me like You're a hot flash, me. you know. Yeah. And uh, and for the next ten minutes, I'm just. You know, I, I, I'm I'm just constantly sweating, 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 and uh, once my brain just kind of, then it'll 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 kind of wipe away. Yeah, that's it's... interesting. Yeah, I've never thought of that, but that could very well be what it is because yeah. I have the exact same experience. I would like to see, uh, and I don't know if it could functionally be done, but I would like to see like a science experiment where they uh, hook up all them little things to a, a comic's head and then 
send him out on stage and just measure yeah, measure his cool. brain activity while he's up there because I gotta believe that that's gotta be damn near off the charts the amount of just because like you said you're thinking about what you're doing what you're getting ready to do uh you're thinking about this you're thinking about that you know and then uh uh it's just a I've always been a, a heavy thinker even since I was a kid but it, it sitting in the chair thinking about stuff is totally different than oh and welcome to the stage blah 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 as soon as they flip that switch you know yep. it, yeah that's why i think uh i want to do it for so long because it's such a good mental exercise yeah and that's why you know like said rickles even though physically he could he had to be helped out on stage his brain was sharp so yeah that's why i want to do it that's why i'll keep keep doing brain exercise yeah and it's you know, other than the travel part of it, it's not necessarily terribly physically taxing. So you, right. you know, uh, you can still kind of keep firing away at it. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a few comics uh, over here in the Michigan scene that are, you know, 65 and up, and they're still yeah. out there grinding every weekend, you know? Yeah, and, I think I feel like I'm as good as I've ever been. So as, as long as that's happening, I'm going to keep doing it. Right. Right. And it's, you know, I, <laughs> I hate to use this cliche phrase, but it's better than a real job. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel <laughs> like I won the lottery when I quit teaching and I've been doing this ever since. Yeah. It, I mean, it's obviously you're in a different position. You're, you're much higher up on the ladder than I am, but, uh, uh, you know, some, I, I think there's just a certain level of freedom that you get when you can kind of be your own boss, you know? Oh yeah. And, and... I would be a horrible employee now if I had to go back and be an employee. I'd be yeah. bad. Yeah. It would, yeah. I've been, I've been working for me for 36 years. Oh man. Somebody start telling me what to do. Oh. Yeah. You got some 24 year old kid fresh out of college standing over your shoulder. Yeah. Uh, Brad, I don't see any work going on over there. <laughs> I'd go, you know what? I can go do one nighters for more than this. Fuck yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, Brad. Well, uh, listen, I appreciate the time. Thanks, this has been a great conversation. And uh, I hope at some point we get to cross paths out there for real. You yeah, know? I was going to say the same thing. Hopefully I'll get back to, hopefully I'll get back to Mark Ridley's one of these days. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's cranking away pretty good. Uh, yeah. I've known him for 30 plus years. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, there i'm trying to think you know joe because i saw joey's on your uh uh yeah your website joey's doesn't exist anymore no uh, i knew that now toledo uh just south of me has the funny bone mm, okay um and i'm trying to think i guess the next closest um kind of can't remember the parent company but they own skyline uh oh yeah wisconsin they just started a new club in Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne. Indiana. Yeah. And then he in there. I know I'm in with them. I've been with them since the beginning. So uh yeah. I'll be I'll get in there pretty soon. Yeah, Helium I know is in Indianapolis now and Helium pretty much kind of ran crackers into the ground, so that's I think done and over with. Um But yeah, it's um oh you know what? I just remembered. Um, there's a group. Um, 
if you give me a second, I'll think of it. They're getting ready to open a stand-up club in downtown Detroit at the yeah. Hockey Town Cafe, which oh, is man. like right across the street from Comerica Park. Um, oh, man. I need to book that when the Mariners are in town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, God, I, it's going to escape me. I might end up having to send it to you in a message later. Yeah, send later. it to me when you remember it. Because uh, right now I need to remember it, so I can't. You know, I guess I didn't yeah. take I didn't take enough ginkgo biloba today or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll you know eleven o'clock tonight I'll be ready to go to bed. And, oh hey wait a minute I now I remember who it is. Yeah. Um, Mark Bronson. Is that it? Mark Bronson. Yeah. No, I don't know who that is. Ron, Mark Bronson. Mark Bronson. He's got clubs in Minneapolis and. I think uh, down in Texas might be. I, I'll. I swear to God, I'll look it up. Uh, All right. Yeah. And, let me know and send it to you because that one is supposed to open in the fall of this year. Um, and I know it's two different uh, club owners that have like multiple clubs under their belt. Um, that yeah, they I need to know who those guys are. Because Second City out of Chicago used to have a satellite uh, company in Detroit. And it just kind of slowly over time has just kind of went dormant. And so uh, kind of out of nowhere, it was just kind of announced last week that uh, beginning in the fall, they were uh, uh, they were going to start booking, uh, you know, nationally touring comedians and trying to use a lot of local features and stuff like that. But I will. I swear to God, I'll look that up and send right. it to you. Yeah, because... let me know. I'll get back there, and then we'll uh, then we'll have a beer. Absolutely. All right. All right, Brad. Well, I listen. I appreciate it. Everybody can catch up to you at bradupton.com, Correct. Correct. I have uh, I got Brad Upton comedy on Instagram, and then I have a Brad Upton fan page on Facebook. Right. And uh, I wish you all the continued success that you can have, and. Hopefully, we can get you to Detroit, and uh, I can get a gaggle of people together to come right. and, and take a look. And uh, you better, uh, you better go check on your daughter. Yeah, she's probably repainting her bedroom some obnoxious color that I don't even know about right now. <laughs> then her mother's going to come home, and how did this happen? Uh, <laughs> All right, sir. Enjoy the rest right. of your evening. All right, man. Take care. All right, thanks.